0: When you feel triggered by something your child says or does, how do you respond? Do you feel that you've been yelling a lot more than you'd like lately? In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to control our emotions when we feel triggered. My name is Cindy Havington, and this is Curious Neuron. Welcome to Curious Neuron, a podcast about child development and education with information that is backed by science. I'm your host Cindy Huffington. I have a doctorate degree in neuroscience and postdoctoral training in education. My specialties are understanding how the brain develops and how play promotes learning. I love searching through science articles to see what I could apply with my own three kids, and I want to share this information with you. Follow Curious Neuron on Instagram to vote for the topics I'll cover and to send in your questions for the experts. For more information, visit us at CuriousNeuron.com Hi everyone, welcome back. I was really excited about today's topic because During the last appointment that I had with my children's pediatrician, I asked him what he thought would be a good topic to discuss with parents, given some of the challenges that parents will discuss with him and um, some issues he's seen with children. And his answer was really interesting to me because he said, if a parent doesn't nurture themselves, they cannot nurture their child. This really hit home for me because I now have a seven month old and this is my third child. I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a seven-month-old. And what happened is that I had a newborn baby when my two-year-old was reaching his emotional regulation period of his life, meaning that he was having more emotional outbursts, which led to me parenting in a way that I didn't want to, Um, not intentionally, but when you're not sleeping, when you're tired and exhausted, you don't respond and react the same way. If your mental health is being impacted by the fact that your baby is crying all the time or if you're not getting the support that you need as a new parent or even perhaps if some of your past is trickling into your parenting. These are all different ways that you could be parenting in a way that you don't want to and this could be affecting how your child behaves. If you've been feeling overwhelmed or anxious or feeling that you've been yelling a lot more than you would like lately. This is the episode for you. I hope that my discussion with Brianna provides you with the information that you need and the right guidance to help you parent the way that you've always wanted to parent. Today's guest is the owner and director of South Bay Mommy and Me in California and is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's an infant family early childhood mental health specialist. Her work is dedicated to improving the health, warmth, and joy in the child-parent relationship. She has a special interest in how trauma impacts our attachment to our children and how to utilize mindfulness, reflectiveness, and intuition to overcome barriers in our parenting experiences. She also specializes in treating postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. I am beyond excited to speak with my guest today because, as a mom, I learned so much from her Instagram posts. I keep saving everything that she posts. I save them as reminders, and I think that you will do the same if you follow her on Instagram. I love how her website for her center says, Welcome to your village because it does take a village and a community to raise our children. My guest today is Brianna. Welcome, Brianna. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this because today we're talking about parental regulation, so how we as parents control our own emotions. And on my own Instagram account, I often talk about emotion regulation in children. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the end, what research has shown time and time again is how we as parents or caregivers respond to our children is what will truly make an impact in their behavior so i think it's a really important topic for us to discuss
1: absolutely bruce perry is the one who says it a dysregulated parent will dysregulate a regulated child a dysregulated parent cannot regulate a dysregulated child Mm -hmm. and only a regulated parent can regulate a dysregulated child so the impetus really does fall on us and our regulation and of course this is not to guilt trip i mean we're all we're all moms and we're all parents and we're all doing mm-hmm. um, our absolute best but i think calling into our conscious awareness around what do we do to regulate and what is it that's triggering for me um can really help us actually in our building of a relationship with our children, understanding ourselves better, and um, ultimately understanding our children and guiding them and supporting them to become the people who they were destined
0: to be anyway. I agree. Mm -hmm. So how about we start with the Mm -hmm. basics. So what do we mean when we're saying parental regulation? Yeah.
1: So um, parental regulation is a state of um, emotional organization and physiological organization and there are four zones of regulation that we are likely to show and i like to reference connie lillis's work and she um she created the neuro relational framework and so this information comes from um, dr connie lillis And um, what she talks about is our green zone, which is, you know, the state of feeling, um, you know, our bodies will feel pretty relaxed. Our eyes will be also relaxed, taking in information as it's coming. Um, We'll be feeling pretty calm and clear. It's almost like green, ready to go. And we also see that in children. We can even see it in babies. A young baby's hands will rest kind of gently at midline and they'll be in this quiet alert State where they are, you know, able to pay attention to something and maybe track with their eyes and their head, or if they're older, they're using their hands and their bodies to engage in a certain activity. So, in general, I mean, the green zone, I think, is kind of that you know ideal zone of I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling okay. It doesn't necessarily need mm-hmm. to be Zen, right? Like we don't need to be just finished a yoga class, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be that. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling okay. Um, not too many things are difficult for me in the moment um and then we have um our red zone which kind of sounds you know which is exactly how it sounds that's going to be our more angry state so this is where you know my brows are going to be furrowed my jaw is going to be tense my hands are you know going to be going to be clenched and i might even like adapt like a posture in my body even as i'm talking with you like i i I can, my brain is following suit. My body is like wanting to like feel angry. And this is where we feel, you know, tense and frustrated. We might yell and scream. Um, young children may uh, flail. Their, their limbs may look like they're flailing out from the middle of their mm-hmm. body. And we can look erratic. We can look kind of scary. We can become threatening um, when we're in our red zones. I think mean, it's important to just normalize all of these zones because if you're human, you access all of these zones probably throughout your day um, and and no and no one is expected to just stay green all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the blue zone, which is going to be um, the complete opposite of the red zone. So where the red zone is kind of big and scary, the blue zone is kind of flat and um disengaged or disconnected sometimes people even do what we call dissociate where it's like it's as if they check out of their bodies and they check out of the experience that's happening in front of them um in, you know we'll get these glassy eyes where you almost look like you can look through a person so like if you've ever like looked at somebody and kind of snapped your fingers and like hey are you here
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> they are probably they're probably in a dysregulated blue zone state um and so this is where the, the the nervous system starts to shut down, whereas the red zone state, our nervous system is really revved up and it's on fire. And then um, Connie Willis talks about the combo zone, um, which is a blend of the, the blue and the red. I, I simplify it and call it the purple zone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is where we are more anxious. We're actually flooded Um, with, with the, the, the experience in in front of us is flooding ourselves emotionally. And so our eyes will actually get wide because we're, our brain is literally trying to process and take in so much information at once. Our body might feel like it wants to freeze and flee at the exact same time. So we might feel like kind of stuck and, um, like caught in the Mm -hmm. moment and, um, our our bodies might look really disorganized or chaotic or we ourselves might actually feel disorganized or chaotic, um, in the moment. So those four basic, um, zones of uh, regulation are things that we all just filter through, um, depending on what is triggering us in the moment. There's Mm -hmm. so many different things that could trigger us. I really feel like it's so dependent on, who we are and how our nervous system is wired and our histories and how much self-reflection we do on a regular basis. Um, but in general, this this is going to pop up for pretty much every human being
0: on the planet. Mm-hmm. And especially mm-hmm. when it comes to parenting, I think that mm-hmm. I, I just think of one day, you know, being home and being home with three kids, you kind of mm-hmm. fluctuate through those zones and you, you try to figure out how to come out of those zones or not get into those zones. And I, I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting that you brought everything, mentioned everything that you just said because the way that I, I'd like to discuss what triggers us and, and a parental regulation is by perhaps looking at in the moment of being triggered, um, perhaps looking at after that moment has happened and mm-hmm. looking a bit at, you, you touched upon this a bit, but, you know, our own upbringing and our past, our own temperament, so the mm-hmm. pre trigger you know and how does that impact everything so how about um starting with what are some common triggers that parents will speak to you about
1: sure well i mean i hear you know even right from the beginning from the very beginning a child crying Mm-hmm. that can be a very um, triggering experience for a parent it can make some parents fly blue fly into red some ch- some parents become very purple mm-hmm. um, kiddos misbehaving or not behaving according to our expectations um, or like for for example like a kid not listening um, after we've kind of told them um, many many times mm-hmm. that can be that can be um, very stressful and exhausting for a parent, and they can feel themselves becoming more triggered and triggered, and they can even find themselves trying to keep it together, but the nervous system is saying, hey, you're threatened, you need to respond to this threat. It's like our brains can't tell the difference between the tigers that we used to fight off and our children who Mm -hmm. need our help. Our brain can't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think um, children not developing according to a parent's expectations. Um, and this is sometimes actually true. Sometimes the child does have some developmental issues and that can be really triggering and difficult. Mm-hmm. But um, in the events where that isn't the case, it's really more about the parent's expectations and their attachments to, you know, their their belief that they somehow are so influential in terms of how their child um, hits milestones, for example. And like, yes, parents are influential, but, you know, there's also genetics and just who a a child is. So I think that plays into a parent's triggers. Um, Eating and sleep and eating and sleeping. I mean, come on, those are big, big (laughs) triggers. If if your kid's not sleeping, if your kid is a poor eater, oh my gosh, those are like – those are the worst. That's why people who are in those businesses make so much money because <laughs> they play into the parents' fear centers around mm-hmm. these two really um, important topics. Um, but also, I think if a parent is exhausted, if they're under-supported, if they're undernourished, if they're feeling overwhelmed or feeling too rushed, I mean, all of these are really common, typical triggers, and this is just a short list. I'm yeah. sure if I had more time, I could probably share hundreds more. But,
0: but I think those are really the common ones that I've mm-hmm. not only experienced but heard from parents as well. I had posted mm-hmm. a question on Instagram, and mm-hmm. people it's 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 interesting because you also mentioned uh, the milestones, and somebody asked how to deal with the emotions of perfection if their child is not reaching mm-hmm. the level of perfection that they mm-hmm. anticipated or wanted. So that mm-hmm. is really a trigger that I, I hadn't mm-hmm. thought of.
1: Yeah. And that makes me think even our own sense of perfection, mm-hmm. and I think even needing help and asking for help mm-hmm. can be a trigger for many people because perhaps they've created a narrative of, I can't depend on others, and so it has to be all on me. And then they become a parent and they realize that, holy crap, this takes mm. a village and I can't, I will not be able to survive. Motherhood will eat me alive mm-hmm. if I try to do this by myself. And so that can be a very humbling experience to really look at that trigger and um, find a way to heal mm-hmm. from those um, faulty narratives that were really survival narratives that we had exactly. to have in the past, but but no longer suit us for our current um, situation. Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, a, a child misbehaving is not uncommon. According to mm-hmm. research, about fourteen to twenty-four percent of kids between the ages of one to three will exhibit some sort of you know difficult behavior. So it's it's part of our everyday mm-hmm. life as parents. And I can't
1: believe the number is so low. By the way, it That's is. Uh, yeah,
0: I don't know how they defined <laughs> difficult behavior. <laughs> I don't know if eating and not uh, sorry, not eating or not sleeping counted. But they, they like, looked, oh my <laughs> goodness! I would yeah. think it'd be like a hundred percent of kids act out at some point. They didn't say how often either. <laughs> And, you know, they they mentioned that parenting, the way that we parent, so especially being controlling or uninvolved, so sort of that Mm -hmm. zone where you disengage, right, Mm -hmm. um, is what could contribute to stronger um, or future problems with a Mm -hmm. child. So let's say, uh, let's take a situation. So you mentioned a child crying. And this could be a newborn baby or a two-year-old crying, right? Now Mm -hmm. you have, as a parent, let's say you haven't slept and you are tired, exhausted, um, haven't been receiving the support that you wanted. In -hmm. those moments where you're going from that green zone to perhaps the red zone, if your child's been crying all night, Mm -hmm. what can we do as parents to bring ourselves down back to that green zone?
1: Yeah, really, really great point. Um, Well, the best thing that you can do in the moment is to recognize that you are in this triggered emotional state and to find a way. Um, to get yourself to a state of calm and again I'm not talking about the zen you don't need to be mm-hmm. zen but really a state where you are thinking clearly and like I'm thinking back to my experience of having my newborn child with all the knowledge that I had and absolutely losing it at his two week three week mark where mm-hmm. he was crying non-stop and nursing every 45 minutes mm-hmm. and I looked at my husband and I said you need to take him and I need I need to get out of here like mm-hmm. I'm sc- scary mommy is going to come out Yeah, and I I need to go. I need to go give her some love because scary mommy um, has some, has an issue that she needs to work through right now. And then I'm going to come back and I will actually be supportive. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, here is that when our kiddos push our buttons, it's just because we have an unmet need or some kind of unconscious wound from our childhood that needs healing. And again, that's going to be so specific for each of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for me, my kiddo crying was really really triggering for me. It reminded me of how much he needed me. And it brought up, it made like in my body remembered how much my family needed me and how much I couldn't rely on my family and how mm. I didn't have anybody to support me. And so while my two week old is crying for milk, I'm unconsciously flooded with all of these memories. And I needed to physically get myself away from that moment mm-hmm. so that I could get myself um get feel my feet on the floor Mm -hmm. get my thinking brain back on and be supportive um now i i like um what's called a bottom up approach to regulating Mm -hmm. and this can be quite helpful for some of us like getting outdoors can be helpful physically moving our bodies um so that might be like a walk or some kind of movement um, I like to sing. Singing is very regulating for me. Um, some people like to you know, cook and bake because using their hands and using that kind of movement in the body feels feels really relaxing and regulating. A lot lots of people like to knit. I mean, any kind of like sensory oriented or body based approach to getting ourselves regulated mm-hmm. when we're triggered can be really, really quite helpful in the moment. It's because what, what happens is that you know, the body always is, is always acting first. And then the brain kind of catches up a couple minutes later. So, or a couple seconds later, Mm -hmm. I should say. So if the body gets the message that, Oh, I'm doing something soothing. I was in a red zone, but now I'm doing something that's bringing me to my green. My brain will hear that message a couple seconds later and will say, okay, we can, you know, turn off the alarm. Mm -hmm. There's no threat time to get calm and time to follow suit to what the body is doing. Um, so th- I really, really love this bottom-up approach, children bottom-up approach for regulating. And honestly, I think it's really, really helpful for for parents as well to, to think about it like this. Um, you know, maybe like in the moment, I can become aware of my physiological cues. Like maybe I know when I'm triggered, my hands get clenched, my eyes get wide. Mm-hmm. I know that I feel frozen or I feel disconnected for a brief moment. If I know this about myself, if I know this is my likely response to a certain trigger, then in that triggered state, I can consciously release my grip because that's going to send a message to my brain, no threat. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: can soften my eyes. That's going to send a message to my brain. Not a whole lot to take in here. Mm. I can gently sway my body back and forth bring some rhythm that can actually bring some like attention to like the immediate psychological space that that I'm really wanting to be in. So uh, does that make sense like a bottom up yeah. approach yes. to regulating
0: yeah, cool. I think, and I, I, especially the walk when I had, when my mm-hmm. second child was born, he he cried mm-hmm. a lot. And I, mm-hmm. getting out of the house and just walking, even mm-hmm. if he was still crying and in the stroller, I was outside totally. and my body was moving and mm-hmm. it just helped so much. I, I really get the whole movement aspect of it. It, it makes totally. a lot of sense, yeah.
1: And think about it like you're outdoors, you're moving your body, you're getting fresh air. The screams don't feel as triggering because you... Cause sound travels, so literally it's traveling. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're in a house with a screaming child, it just gets trapped in the walls, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my gosh, stop it! You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, your, I know. <laughs> your your body can't; it just can't contain it. And so, and then of course, like the rich, the rich sensory experience of being outdoors with the wind and the trees mm-hmm. and the smell of the flowers and any kind of animals that you might see. I mean, it's really just. Um, deeply, deeply regulating to our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then um, if it's in the middle mm-hmm.
0: of the night, um, I, I, I like your example of swaying mm-hmm. back and forth because, mm-hmm. or just moving away from the situation. I did that once mm-hmm. with my second child um, as well, where it, it you just, I had to leave. I knew that I had to walk away. And I think we have to be aware. We have to really be mindful of when we're in that red zone and we really need to walk away. And it's okay right. to walk away. you know? Correct. Yeah. Not to have that guilt, not to have that guilt, and to have that
1: permission, because mm-hmm. there's something very different from scary Mommy is going to come out. Mm-hmm. I need to go and calm my body to you need to you need to calm your body and stay in this corner by yourself. Mm-hmm. And mommy, Mommy is not going to come back until you're calm.
0: Mm-hmm
1: two different messages. And I think that what happens is that they get combined, but they are not the same thing for mm-hmm. a child. It can be incredibly empowering for a child to see a parent recognize their emotional state and do something positive about it. Mm-hmm. I think it can be really difficult for a child to never see a parent in a dysregulated state. Mm-hmm. Children need to see parents in dysregulated states because it is through that modeling that the child learns how to regulate their own emotions. True, exactly. And that's, no matter how we regulate, if mm-hmm. we do it effectively or if we do it ineffectively. Yeah. <laughs> watching they're observing they're learning so we may as well really take this information to heart and figure out what exactly do i need there's one more thing i wanted to touch base on if a bottom up approach does not suit you or in different events you know you may want a different kind of approach i um i can find i find sometimes that a top down approach can be helpful as well and so i tend to gravitate toward the 54321 mindfulness exercise which you may have heard about and this is where in a, you know, a difficult, stressful, triggering moment, we um, would bring our mind's eye and notice five things that we can see, four things that we can hear, three things that we can touch, two things that we can smell, and one thing that we can taste. And when we bring our mind's eye to the exact moment that's surrounding us, it's a 30-second Exercise essentially that can feel really grounding and really regulating to the nervous system. And it can allow us to bring that thinking brain back and to think a little bit more clearly. Sure, our kiddo may still be losing it around us. Mm -hmm. At least now we are more, we're a little bit more regulated or regulated enough, hopefully to show up and to be present for those big emotions that are happening in front of us. So um, that might be, that might be a
0: useful tip as well. Yes. I love that one. And I, I think You mentioned something important where it's, you know, when we get triggered, sometimes we react immediately, we respond immediately because we're triggered and we're angry and we are frustrated because, Mm -hmm. for example, our child or a toddler hasn't been listening to us and we've repeated the Mm -hmm. same thing over and over again. But taking that moment, whether it's 30 seconds, 20 seconds, that will allow us to come back and to to think about how to respond rather than Mm -hmm. just responding. And that's really important.
1: That's a really great, um really great distinction, reacting mm-hmm. versus versus responding. Mm-hmm. and so what 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 we say in reflective parenting is that we want to be regulating responsive and reflective um when we are in these um, difficult moments with our children. Um, and if I'm kind of flying off the handle, if I'm, if I'm not in my body, if my nervous system is just reacting to the threat that it's perceiving around me, I'm not going to be supportive. Something that I personally do anytime I'm triggered, I bring my eye, my mind's eye to my feet. And I ask myself, are your feet on the floor? And without a doubt, When I'm triggered, I go up on my tiptoes. I have no idea why, but it put, (laughs) but it pushes my body forward. It, it makes me a little taller. So I imagine it's my physiological response to want to grow big Mm -hmm. and strong and scary. Mm -hmm. And I force my heels into the ground. And I imagine it's like, like I have like a plug at the bottom of my foot and I am plugging my feet into the ground and it It only just takes a moment to make that shift. And it is the tiniest of shifts. And when I do that, I drop into my breath. I can feel my breath in my belly. I can relax my shoulders. I can bring my voice down. When I get angry, I tend to get like a high-pitched scream. Mm -hmm. I can bring my voice down to a lower register. And I literally, in those moments, I literally can feel regulation. I might still f- have an emotion mm-hmm. to what's happening. I think that's also important. Regulation does not mean without emotion. No. Regulation simply means that I am organized mm-hmm. and I am contained enough in my response. And now I'm going to, instead of giving my child an unhealthy experience with anger, which would be scary mommy lashing out, screaming, yelling, mm-hmm. yelling blaming, humiliating, <laughs> and all the things... Instead, I'm going to give my child a healthy experience with anger, and that's where mommy gets herself grounded and says, "Wow, I am really mad right now. I need to go to the calming corner, and I need to take a deep breath, and I need to get myself calm again, and then we can talk about what is what is so frustrating right now. You know, mm. it, it can be very really." Um, Gosh, I just don't. I I don't want to downplay how important these different moments can be for our children.
0: I'll I'll often tell parents that um, when it comes to a child's emotional regulation and and their own emotional outbursts, that they have to become the detective to figure out when <laughs> they when these outbursts are happening. And yeah. Uh, so if it's only in certain moments, it, when something is a moment is ending or something is being taken away, then sure. you become the detective and decide, okay, how can I help? You know, modify that behavior by giving them, you know, something else to to do or saying something differently, and and so on. And the way that you're speaking now, I just realized that in the end, we also have to become a detective for our own emotions and mm-hmm. how we respond to the triggers. Because by doing that, I I, I guess we. Begin to understand ourselves mm-hmm. more and Absolutely. understand how we respond to triggers. So you were speaking about your being on your toes. For me, I, my triggers just increase my heart rate mm-hmm. qu- right away. I feel my heart like in my chest, and mm-hmm. I I mm-hmm. almost feel it in my throat. And I I know that the outburst of my own outburst will come. well is is coming. And uh-huh. f- what helps me is to take a really really deep breath, a slow yeah. deep breath. And to say, like, I love you, and then say what I have to say and, and, and deal with, you know, the emotion. And I, I, that's only what I've done so far. But it, just taking that breath allows me to pause and be aware of my heart, my heart rate. <laughs> Amen. <Yeah. laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely brilliant. And I think um, what you're touching on, the importance of knowing ourselves and knowing our own emotional triggers and especially how our children trigger us. Mm-hmm. This is the key. This is the key to mm-hmm. parenting. This is the key to relationship-based parenting. You can have all the tips and the tricks in the bag and understand the moment before and the moment after, and you know have all the great discipline techniques and strategies. And those are all wonderful, and I'm not downplaying them in any way. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're parenting without consciousness and without awareness of yourself, um, you're going to end up repeating the old things that you've learned in the past. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just what's going to happen. It's how, it's the brain's default. It's Mm -hmm, what the the brain, it's just simply going to do what it knows. And, um, you know, and that might be a great thing if you have a history of really, you know, great integrated responses and, you know, parents who were regulated. But the truth of the matter I find is that most people did not experience that. And um, are really looking for something um, different. or And then the people who did experience that want to deepen it and make it even richer for their children. Mm-hmm. So I think there's so much room for growth in parenting, and I think it really starts with our willingness to look within, which isn't always pleasant and certainly isn't fun, no. but, <laughs> but it's part of it. It's, it's part true. of what we're doing,
0: yeah. And I, there's you have a post on Instagram that really um, – really marked me and you said every relationship Mm -hmm. has a conflict and when I saw that I realized Mm -hmm. you know you're thinking about perhaps marriage but in the end it's your relationship with your child as well and there will be Mm -hmm. conflict and it's you mentioned that it's it's an important part of a healthy relationship so Mm -hmm. we have to look at these conflicts that we have with our children and these moments as learning moments just like we would Mm -hmm. in our own relationship with our spouses. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So now let's say we we did lose control, let's say it mm-hmm. happened. And mm-hmm. what would you recommend in, in terms of perhaps the aftermath? You know, can it, sure. it at that moment, if it, we just lost control, what can we do? And then also, if a parent has been responding to their triggers in a certain way for the past couple months or the past year or so or two years, is is it something that could be fixed? Oh, yes, it can always be fixed. We can always relearn.
1: We can always unlearn in order to relearn new ways of being in relationship. There's so much hope in the field of (laughs) attachment and in the field of how we, you know, learn to feel safe um, with other people. So absolutely that just because you've kind of fallen into a rut does not mean that you cannot pick up that steering wheel and turn it in a new direction. And guess what? When we do that, our children will follow suit. Now, anytime, and I'm going to say when we lose our cool, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I really believe all parents at some point are just going to simply lose it. Mm-hmm. So when we lose our cool, um, <laughs> we are going to repair, repair, mm-hmm. show that you're human, show that we make mistakes, use it as an opportunity to say, I'm sorry, acknowledge, acknowledge how scary you were for the child. I think it's very, very important that we acknowledge from the child's perspective, what it was like for mommy or daddy to be scary. Mm-hmm. For mommy or daddy to yell and scream, for mommy and daddy to yell, go to your room, for mommy and daddy to walk away.
0: Mm-hmm. It is important. Be, yeah.
1: it is important mm-hmm. to speak to that and to repair that. I love using little storybooks. Like you can like make homemade storybooks. They're called empathy books. I learned about them through um, Echo Parenting. Um, but they're just little books that tell the story about um, what, do, what the difficult um, experience was from the child's perspective. So um, it allows us to understand and create a coherent narrative for our children, um, what they experienced in us. And you know, for the child who's more verbal, a little bit older, it also allows them to be um, really open and honest with us about how they felt. Um, And I think ultimately when we can create a space of listening like that with our children and even, you know, these are great exercises to do with our partners as well. Yeah. (laughs) But when we can do that and we create this space for listening and seeing each other, this really lends itself to more emotional safety. Um, This allows us to practice soothing together. Um, And this is ultimately what um, helps us to feel more secure. So I'm tapping Mm -hmm. now into the four S's. Um, by um, Dan, Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. Tina Payne Bryson, um, which are just a phenomenal resource for parents to, um, you know, really think that, really know that the that it's all in the repair. Every rupture mm-hmm. needs a repair, and if as parents we're rupturing and we're repairing, we're doing good enough, and mm-hmm. we really have to hold true and really like believe that in our hearts.
0: And not get stuck, I guess, in a cycle of guilt as well. Because Mm-mm. if you don't repair and you feel guilty, I'm assuming it's easy to start to do this over again, right? Because you're not mm-hmm. really repairing it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, then, we, then, then that's a really great opportunity to wonder, well, what's stopping me from the repair right now? What's mm-hmm. stopping me? And there's probably some wounds around um, forgiveness. And so um, maybe bringing that to therapy or bringing that mm-hmm. to parenting partner and talking about that. Mm-hmm. What's, it, what's going on? Like, why is it difficult for me to ask forgiveness? Mm-hmm. And maybe like, you know, I'm just speculating here, but it's could be that, you know, you were ridiculed or maybe your parents mm-hmm. never asked for forgiveness for their, um, you know, outlandish behaviors. And so you, um, you never had that experience of hearing an adult apologize mm-hmm. for the ways that they've hurt you. And so that feels foreign and that feels scary and that feels uncomfortable. And so you don't know how to go there with your own child. I think a lot of people also have a belief that parents who apologize to children, um, send a sense of a, a message of weakness. Yeah. Um, but I think it just takes so much courage to be humble mm-hmm. and to show our humanity with our children. And I think ultimately it helps our children feel more safe and connected um, to us. If we are repeatedly rupturing um, and having the same rupture over and over and over again, um, great opportunity to take that to therapy mm-hmm. um, or to your partner and get a deeper understanding of what's going on because it's probably not about your child. Um, your child is just, you know, activating the wound, and it's now time for you to look into that and um, find a way to heal from from that wound so that it it doesn't keep being a problem in your relationship with your kid
0: i agree and i think all this falls into the you know before the trigger and which has to do with ourselves and Mm -hmm. perhaps what are signs that we should seek therapy you know i guess you just mentioned if something is repeating if it's repeating itself Mm -hmm. um is there something else that maybe or questions a parent should be asking themselves that would lead to the conclusion of perhaps i need to work a little bit more on myself
1: Hmm, yeah. I mean, I think if you're like constantly um finding yourself in a state of emotional distress, mm-hmm. um, or you're overwhelmed by your emotions, or you are feeling like you are reenacting um the past mm-hmm. and you don't like that you're reenacting the past, you're aware of it, you just don't know how to stop it. Um, if um, you know, if there's anything going on with your child at all, um that's a good time to get into some therapy, maybe for your child, but definitely for yourself if you don't get your child into therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm a therapist, so I think therapy is great no matter what. (laughs) I think therapy can be very preventative as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm I'm a huge advocate for it. I think going and finding a space to feel heard and to correct um, old patterns Mm -hmm. um, is a very healthy healthy thing. And, um, I highly encourage it, but I think if at any point you, you feel like I could really benefit from having somebody, um, to listen to me, um, that would be, it would be time. Go, Mm -hmm. go to therapy.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a study that I'll link on my website and it's, it, it spoke about, um, a child's behavior and how, uh, it was improving the parental emotion regulation that really had the greatest impact on the child's mm-hmm. behavior. And then by mm-hmm. changing your own emotion regulation as a parent, you can actually positively impact your child by helping them uh, in terms of their emotions, and which mm-hmm. has a correlation to preschool and starting school. And so there yeah. really is a huge impact in um, helping yeah. yourself uh, as yeah. a parent and working on yourself Um, and how this will affect your child presently in the present and later on in their lives. I mean, they've
1: been writing about
0: it for Mm -hmm. decades. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: I, I remember when I was first introduced to this concept, it was Selma Freiberg's um, the ghosts in the nursery. And she wrote this paper to um, you know, uh, support the um, you know, the treatment of infant, it's called infant parent psychotherapy where we you know, the the child might be showing some kind of infant distress of some sort, mm. but it is the parent who needs to be held and supported, and contained, and is the parent who needs to understand those ghosts, if you will, so mm-hmm. those yeah. negative past experiences that haunt us unconsciously and mm-hmm. keep showing up. And the fact of the matter is, is that these things are going to show up in parenthood. It's it's in it is inevitable. There is really nothing that you can do to escape it. So you might as well do the one to open the door, be the one to open the door, excuse me, and get Mm -hmm. comfortable with doing this work because it's just going to be a part of your life forever now. For Mm -hmm. as long as you have your child, it will be something that you um, will constantly be facing in different degrees. Um, And uh, it was uh, Peter Fonagy, who called it uh, reflective functioning? That the more the, the the more we can get parents to reflect on their past and how their past influences their parenting, the better the likelihood of a secure attachment mm-hmm. for that child parent dyad. It's incredible. It is incredible. It has nothing to do with how we attach to our parents. Mm. That doesn't mean anything, but how we make sense of it. How we understand the story of our past and how we see it playing out right now in our present, that is what makes the difference in terms of having you know healthy, securely securely attached children who have a foundation of trust and safety and resilience and grit and a sense of capability and a sense of self-esteem and self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's phenomenal. So- not Phenom- every
0: single parent should know this. Mm-hmm. I agree. And let's say somebody who's listening to this now and and Mm -hmm. they have their next trigger that happens, you know, the same day or the next day. Mm -hmm. Would you you say the main question, perhaps with what you just said, that they should ask themselves at the next trigger is not why is my child acting like this, but why am I responding to them this way? Would Mm -hmm. that be an appropriate question to ask, to start the whole thinking process behind everything, right? Because this, this could open up the door to lots of emotions and lots of yeah uh, experiences from your past I guess
1: I like to be even more um, specific like what's co- what is coming up for me right now uh, okay. or where is this living in my body mm. is this am I being reminded of anything right mm-hmm. uh, what, what images do I have in my head right now and if we can tune into those kinds of cues we might we might find something that's quite surprising like you know in the example that I that I described I was surprised that I responded like that to my child wanting to, wanting to eat. I was very surprised mm-hmm. that what I got flooded with were memories of being needed and also not ever being enough. Mm-hmm. And it was really deeply triggering for me because I've tried to build a life around being enough. And here I have this, you know, five and a half pound child who can't seem to get enough. Mm-hmm. So, 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 even as I'm kind of sharing my own unique moment here of my life, and I've th- this is one of many, um, you can hear how nuanced and complex it is. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not just like a simple, oh, yeah, I'm reacting this way because this no. happened to me in my past. Yeah. It's really quite nuanced and and really um maybe not even connected to a single experience, but really more, connected to the repeated um, experiences or narratives that we developed, which are, like I said earlier, are often rooted in how we learn to survive. Mm-hmm. So our survival narratives can get triggered,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense. Yes. I hope it yeah.
0: With my own experiences, uh, I, after my second child, I realized that I was yelling a lot more than I had ever mm-hmm. imagined myself doing as a parent. And I think that When I started questioning why this was happening, I realized I was raised by a single mom and she would, you know, and this is not her fault, but Mm -hmm. she would yell a lot Mm -hmm. because after giving it some thought, I realized this would give her power. Having trouble being a single mom, having two kids, Mm -hmm. yelling gave her that power, that sense of control. And then I thought in my own ways of being a parent, it would come out. Thinking that I had lost control of that moment, and I needed to gain control of it by yelling, mm. and then mm. I that helped me realize that it wasn't working. And wow. I, you know, and it, it's interesting because even though I think it's important that we talk about our experiences as well, because even though we um, teach people how to to behave, or I t- I t- talk to parents about you know the research behind certain things when it comes to behavior and child development, we are not perfect nobody is perfect. We have triggers and that's mm-hmm. normal. It's a normal part of parenting. Mm-hmm. And we will sometimes be in the green zone and we'll sometimes be in the red zone. But we have to acknowledge it and not let it, you know, eat away at us yeah. and with And not, with and not judge it. And not not yeah. judge it.
1: But simply get into the practice of observing and mm-hmm. noticing. Mm-hmm. If we can get down with observing, noticing, being curious or in your language be a detective about it. Mm-hmm. You know, detectives don't need to judge. Detectives are just simply looking at the puzzle pieces in front of them and twisting them around and trying to figure out, well, how does this fit and make sense and tell a story? Mm -hmm. So if we can get our minds wrapped around that as a repetitive process that we are going to do over and over and over and over again throughout our parenting experiences, well, therein lies the joy. It is in that that the joy is created mm-hmm. and the joy is found
0: yeah yeah it's it's really beautiful like hearing you speak about all this it's <laughs> it, you know it's it's because i really think this conversation should be had with many parents and that we should really take the time to reflect you know uh because it'll it'll improve how we parent a lot yeah beyond mm-hmm. anything that we probably imagined and there there's one more thing that i saw on one of mm-hmm. your posts and you you mentioned and i i think this Comes about a lot when you have a toddler or a child who's mm-hmm. older than two to cultivate a sense of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that approach, so now let's say we've worked on our triggers, we've worked on our regulation, you know, how to approach situations that are difficult with our kids through a sense of curiosity rather than anger. That is really brilliant in, 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 in how we should be going going about it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I wonder. Mm. that's the best way to cultivate a sense of curiosity Mm. Mm. i I wonder (laughs) i wonder wonder what's going on for me right now Mm -hmm. Mm. i wonder what's going on for my kiddo right now it's what i'm seeing happen but oh i'm very curious about what's happening on the inside Mm -hmm. Mm. i don't know and i don't have to know Mm, Ah, it's it's uncomfortable to not know Mm -hmm. Mm, gosh what's that about (laughs) Mm, let me get let me let me be curious about what that is (laughs) Why is it so uncomfortable for me to not know? Hmm. What story? What story around knowing? Do I feel very attached to, and that I need to unlearn? Ah. Yeah. this is how we. This is how we cultivate a sense of curiosity and wonder. Mm-hmm. I'm actually um, writing about it uh, tomorrow. I have a post oh. ready to go for, to. Oh, that tomorrow. Excited. So we'll. <laughs> Get more into what it means to be a curious parent. I'm going to talk about it twice oh, this week. So I love that you I brought it. it up because that makes me happy that, that it even resonated oh, with you. Sometimes I, sometimes I don't know what actually resonates. So I'm glad to hear that.
0: A question that came up from the parents mm-hmm. was, what happens when your spouse is the one who gets triggered more easily, mm. but they don't see it? Ah. How can we help our spouse um, be more aware of it? Mm-hmm.
1: Well um, I think having creating a space that's you know a minimum weekly if not daily um, to practice listening to each other uh, without advice giving um, and practice these great reflective listening skills that we're mm-hmm. kind of talking about today um, you know ind- indirectly we're talking about those today um, I think that really makes a shift and change and of course um Really avoiding engaging in those four horsemen of the apocalypse for marriage, which are criticism, mm-hmm. defensiveness, emotional stonewalling, or um, contemptuous behavior. Yes. Um, and so what I like are these three really basic reflective listening questions. Um, this comes from, it's kind of a blend of Imago therapy and Gottman and Gottman's work with couples. Um, this is what I heard you saying. Did I get it right? I can see this is hard for you because. So there's no advice giving, but I'm simply Mm -hmm. creating a space to share. This is what my day has been like, blah, 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 blah. I'm talking about it with my partner. And then um, my partner will respond. This is what I heard you saying. Did I get it right? I can see this is hard for you because, and then we switch and we each have an opportunity to share that. Now we cannot force our partner to face their triggers, but we can create space to begin to break them down and, you know, debrief them or discover them, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, together in this more safe environment. Um, Brene Brown says that one of the, that that the highest source of shame for men is um, doing things and being productive. And I think this really, really plays out in, um, in uh, fatherhood because the expectation to know and to get things right um, and that pressure is kind of ingrained in them, even though mm. they're not having the, the maternal brain um, the way that moms have. Moms have mm. actual mechanisms in the brain that kick on when they have a baby and their mm. brain like, knows what to do. But for, for um, non-birth parents, it is um, experience dependent. They need to have mm. experience and repeated experiences over and over and over and over again for the brain to really kick in and have those same kind of instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really think that when we create this space um, to be able to have these kinds of um, conversations, ones that are not about giving advice and not about fixing things and not about doing things a certain way or doing things right, but instead creating space to feel safe, seen, and soothed, well, then that's going to enhance the sense of security that we're having um, with our partner. And that's probably going to let him, um, feel, allow himself to feel, or herself, to feel a little mm-hmm. bit more vulnerable um, and uh, kind of go, go, go to these depths um, and mm-hmm. where we're really ready and willing to face our, our triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but it's a very common reaction to want to defend against our triggers and to put all the blame on someone else, put mm-hmm. it on our children or put it on a partner or put it on work or put it on, you know, fill in the blank. It's a very, very common response because again, as I said earlier, It is not Mm -hmm. fun to face your triggers and it's painful. It's hard work.
0: It is hard work Mm -hmm. and it's, it doesn't um, change overnight either. We have Mm -hmm. to understand that it might take time Mm -hmm. and work. Mm -hmm. Lots (laughs) of it. Yeah. Yeah. Lots
1: of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm not offering. How, I'm not offering a recipe of easiness.
0: <laughs> no, no, but nothing. And it's not even when it comes to to our children's behavior. I, I posted about this a few weeks ago, where you know it takes time for us to change our own behaviors. Mm-hmm. We have to expect the same with our children because mm-hmm. oftentimes, if I um, if there's advice given in terms of helping a child with their emotional outbursts or their tantrums, then parents assume that if we, you know, if we apply this a couple times, then everything will change. But it, it takes time, especially when it comes to behavior. And if, and with us as parents, if something is triggering it, or if there's a backstory to it, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time to fix it mm-hmm. or to change it. Yeah. It, I I think, I guess, to finish off our conversation, is mm-hmm. there something else in terms of per, um, parental regulation that you would like to um, to say?
1: Oh, I mean... I feel like we, we've given so much to digest. And so I'd rather, I think, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather folks take that information and um, digest it the best that they can. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we can always keep the conversation going. Um, I've got my Instagram at South Bay, mommy and me um, where I'm having these kinds of conversations regularly. I have a private Facebook group um, that I co-lead um, with my business partners for raising children you like, which is my online course. Actually, my online course goes into um, self-regulation quite a bit. Um, we have a we have several modules on the topic with prompts and things to really help promote reflective capacity with you and your partner. Um, so I would say if this is something that interests you, to please check that out. Raisingchildrenyoulike.com. Um, and uh, yeah, we have a like I was saying before, we have a free um, Facebook group where we're having these conversations as well. And so you you can get all the information right from my Instagram and make it
0: easy for you. Thank you so much you for taking the welcome. time to speak with me today. Thank I you. I really enjoyed speaking to you, and I hope we get to chat again in the future.
1: Likewise, Cindy. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.
0: And that is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to vote for the future topics I'll cover in the podcast, follow us on Instagram. You can even send in your questions you'd like me to ask the experts. Visit CuriousNeuron.com for articles and activity ideas. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay curious!